to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores. Patrice There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm your host, Mark, and welcome back for episode 37 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the Patrice Bergeron edition. Whether you're a continued supporter or a new listener of the show, we ask that you please give us a comment and rating on iTunes or any podcatcher you currently use. Uh, now time to bring in my boy, Mr. Rob Tomlin. Rob, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm a lot better than I was over the weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah we Not are. Not the best weekend for me. Yeah, we, we had a little delay. Um, I kind of said uh, on the... the um, the Facebook and the Twitter that we were busy this weekend, but I wanted to make sure that it was okay to talk about this. Uh, do you want to explain what happened to you? Yeah, so I had hockey practice on Friday night, and um, probably one of the last shots of the night during a scrimmage, uh, puck the puck hit me flat on the throat, and uh, woke up the next day, couldn't talk at all, spent Saturday and Sunday, kind of just drinking soup and drinking hot drinks all the time, trying to a bit like warm my throat up and get it going again. And luckily today, I'm like eighty percent back and I can talk. So yeah, it wouldn't have sounded good yesterday. Trust me. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're doing better. That's a, a scary situation, no matter what. Yeah. Um, uh, that was. I gotta tell you, one of the reasons why. I went with the Alexon throat dangler. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, it was because of what happened to uh, Buffalo Sabres goaltender Clint Malarchuk. Yeah. Have you seen? Well, the, have you seen that video? Yeah. That's. I watched that game, and that scared the crap out of me enough to that I had to, yeah. you know, do something about it. Well, I tried. I tried one of them out. Didn't really enjoy it, and um, ended up getting. If anyone's heard of them, a company called Hackver, who make masks, quite a few of the NHL goalies use them, and they've got like an extended chin piece, so it's basically like wearing a throat guard, but didn't seem to work that time. <laughs> but it's all good. It always it, stuff like that happens. I mean, I wasn't in too much pain. It was more just like a sore throat, and it was okay, luckily. So. Maybe next time it won't be, but I think I'm going to be more careful from now. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, those are scary situations. Uh, always brings me back to thinking about what happened to Malcolm Subban last year. But I'm no, glad no. I'm glad that you didn't take the full bunt of that oh, no. shot and yeah, yeah. the deflection kind of slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse, but it's all good now. So, um, uh, let's just jump right into it and talk about last week's games. Um, to start the week off was a it was a great great start for the Bruins, uh, beating Montreal in Montreal. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna tell you that was the 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 best game that I've seen all season. I I, I want to say it might be a little hyped because of the Montreal Bruins rivalry and so on, but man, what a game! Yeah, and, that was a good game to watch. And to beat them. At the Bell Center, and to have Tuka Rask in the net while doing it, and and the people, you know, constantly talking that he's a too afraid to play this team, came in there and did his job and did it well, and uh, they came up with two points. Um, Austin Zarnick started the scoring off in the first period at 18:55 uh, with his third goal. Uh, with assist from uh, McQuaid and Spooner, uh, he, what a shot! That yeah. kid's got a that kid's got a nice little snipe. Yeah, I, I'd love to see him shoot the puck a lot more. Oh, me too. He, he is he he reminds me of what Krejci used to do a lot, where he'd kind of look for the pass before he looks to the net, and I think it's only a matter of time before he starts shooting the puck around more. Right, and I think I think he'll surprise a lot of people later on in the year. So he's definitely a great player to fit in there this year. And Ryan Spooner, another one that's been uh, stepping up a little bit, uh, gets the game winner. Yeah, in overtime at three twenty in the extra session to give the Bruins a two to one win. Uh, Tukarask with thirty saves. Um, I'm sorry, the Ryan Spooner goal was a minute 40 left in OT. Yeah. But regardless, it was awesome. Yeah. He's, and, uh, he's stepped it up a lot since the uh, trade talks. Yeah. And the going on the block talk, it, so. It's funny how you, how you, when, you know, because obviously these players hear what's going on. They're involved in Twitter. They're involved in a lot of uh, other social medias and so on. So they hear what's going on. They read it. It's on yeah. talk radio. And if they pay attention to it. So, I mean, it's good. I mean, maybe we should trash him more off. I like Ryan Spooner. I really do. Yeah. But I, I, I'd like to see more of his game. I. Right now, I wouldn't resign him. Yeah. Well. I, I mean, I'd I love mean, to. But I want to see I, more of him. I'd resign him. I'd re-sign him, but I'd probably trade him while he's still got some value. Right. Or, instead or do of that. dumping him down. Right. But it's exactly the same position as I said with Connolly. I wouldn't have re-signed Connolly, but would Ryan Spooner take a two-way deal for one year to try and get some game time down in Providence maybe and then come back up? Right. But I doubt it because he knows he'd fit in on a different team somewhere. And get to play center, which is his natural position. And, so, and with him right now, with he doesn't have any any trade clause, and he just seems no. to be the young guy that holds the most value on the team, 
trade-wise, so... Yeah, and, I mean, if he still... If he had term left on his contract, I'd be picking him as the guy that LA... Uh, that Las Vegas would probably come and pick up. Right. But because he's a pending free agent, it won't be, so... I mean, he's got a good skill set. I think it's just his defensive game's not there. He's great in the offensive zone. He's great on the power play. But you just need that all-around play from him, especially if he's going to play at third-line centre, where he's going to get a lot of game time. Because for some reason, the Bruins' third line always gets a lot of game time. Mm -hmm. So you want someone solid in there. And... uh, I think with it, it's been bumped around from, I think, Ryan Spoon has played centre this year, Riley Nash has played centre this year, and now they've put Austin Zarnick in there. So, but I, I do, I, I definitely prefer Austin Zarnick's game in there compared to Spooner. I think he plays a lot more two-way and thinks a bit more about the defensive side of things. So, yeah, so, um, Wednesday, they went into Pittsburgh and lost in overtime. Um, I'm not overly, I'm I'm not mad about that win. We, I mean, they played, they played the Penguins pretty hard. Yeah, and they escaped the point. Uh, the defending cup champions as well. Right, right. I mean, that's always going to be a tough game. And the Bruins for the second straight game get on the get on the uh, scoreboard first with uh, Brad Marchand's ninth from Backus and Bergeron at ten forty eight in the first, and Justin Schultz ties it up. Uh, David Krejci with his fifth from Schaller and Pasternak at eight six forty in the second period, and David Pasternak scores uh, his nineteenth. <coughs> It continues to have an amazing season, yeah. unassisted at thirteen twenty in the third, and obviously the Brian Rust uh, scores at one twenty four in overtime to give the Pittsburgh the two points. But uh, like you said, a point out of that game is not a bad thing. No, absolutely. It I mean, could have ended a lot worse. And like we talked about last week, um, a point out of the Washington game. That was, yeah. you know, against teams like that, you know, when we talked over the summer and we matched things up and so on, we, I mean, I know I, I looked at this team and just said, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do when we face teams like this. But when you look at them and they played hard and they escape a point, that's a lot better than the expectations I had over the summer. Yeah, I, I think we both saw teams like Pittsburgh and Washington dominating the Bruins so like you said to get a point and to play a good game against them as well like we didn't get bullied around we didn't let them play their game where they just pass around the zone a lot it was quite a fast paced game so it's it's good to see them stepping up against the bigger teams this season so we just need to work out not playing down to other teams because that's the main problem at the moment but 
I, I believe the next game was was a tough one, and well, we always talked about how back to back games are just are just awful, and especially the latter part of the of the back to back is is not the best game for the Bruins. Uh, Anton Hudobin got the start as expected, um, and and things started off in the game well. Uh, Dano Chara scoring his second from Backus and Marshan at twelve oh seven in the first. Then Austin Zarnick scores his fourth from Spooner and Nash at twelve twenty in the first, and, and that was a nasty goal. Yeah, yeah. That short side snipe. Oh, loved it. But after that happened, the the the, the Penguins, uh, I'm sorry, the Ducks, they came right back and yep. scored uh, three straight goals, and. Uh, David, I mean David Krejci, got his sixth from Backus and Krug at twelve oh six in the second period, and then that was it. Um, Ricard Raquel scores his twelfth to pretty much seal the deal. Yeah, and that Krejci goal was a power play, which was nice. Yeah, and it's that usual thing of Backus just being that strong body in front, and when the rebound came out, he kind of boxed the defender out. Stopping him getting to Krejci, so it was a nice goal. Yep, I I think that Anaheim game was you saw a lot of good from the offense, but you saw the bad side of the defense in that game, and it was a lot of puck watching, especially yep. when you got a guy like Anton Hudobin in the net who's struggling with his rebound control and he's just giving up bad goals really. That's not one of the games that you want your defense to be standing around not doing much. So, right, that kind of killed us that game. But wow. uh, there, there was a lot of lucky bounces as well for uh, Anaheim that game, like the uh, the shot off the Anton Hudobin's pad that went straight to Jakob Silverberg. Yeah, yeah, that that literally it hit his pad and went perfectly to his stick. That was just bad luck. And that was that was probably his best, like attempt at rebound control that game as well, because he went to put it into the corner, but it just went straight on his stick. So it, it's one of them like you do something good and it just bites you in the ass. Just an unlucky so, bounce. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to continue to crap on that guy. I mean, he's just having a really tough year. I get it, but. Oh, yeah. You know, I just, I really just wish this team would figure out how to get somebody. I don't know. I, obviously, paying a, a, a goaltender isn't working, and then bringing one up that's got no experience isn't working. So, I don't know yeah. what we're gonna do. It's but, just you, you just gotta fight your way through it. We got three guys down, right. down in the system who need time to develop, and it's you, you're gonna be just signing free agents until that happens unless they draft some wonder kid goaltender next year but I, I don't see that happening right so you don't really see many goaltenders go straight from the draft to the NHL no no so, no no that's just no. that's asking way too much from a young developing kid especially a goaltender which you yeah. know and I know they, they you know they peak between the uh, 26 and 20 uh, 30 age actually yeah. So. 
But, it's uh, definitely too much to ask. Yeah, it is too. But it's not a bad thing to to get involved in the draft or NCAA free uh, free agency for NCAA players. You know, yeah. to kind of restock um, oh, with yeah. you know players that might be available, whether a year or two, um, because you're gonna need something. I mean, McIntyre is playing outstanding. It's contract year. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Subban is not playing very well, and it's contract year. So, and Dan Vladar is playing, um, you know, his best for his first year of semi professional <clears throat> hockey in North America. You know, yeah. he's. He, I'm going to continue to say that after all the games I've seen in Providence or with the Atlantic Gladiators, he's, to me, considered the number one goaltending prospect. Yeah. Me as well. Because he's got term. He's you know he's on a three year entry level deal and he's serving his first year of it. So where he goes from there is up to him. Nineteen. Is he twenty? Nineteen. I believe he's going to be twenty soon. Yeah. And then you've got Subban, who's what twenty four, twenty five. Yep. And then you've got McIntyre, who's around the same age, probably like twenty six. Yeah, so. yeah, because uh, McIntyre was a 2010 draft pick. Subban yeah. was a 2012. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Yeah, so, I mean, they're getting up there in age to the point where they should kind of be spending some time around the NHL. Yeah. And, uh kind of sucks just to to not see that happening especially with a two way uh, a two year contract to a guy like Hudob which shows you have no faith in them guys down in the system yeah that's exactly what i said too yeah that that must have been a really hard pill to swallow because i mean it's not like like when you're a defenseman or you're a forward there's always spots available doesn't matter how like if you fill up the NHL roster with veteran guys, one of those guys is going to get injured and you got a chance of a call up. Whereas when you're a goaltender, there's two of you in Providence, and it's very rare that both your starter and your backup are going to get injured at the same time. So you're not going to get both get to play NHL time. So and and what I've noticed um, in the past. I want to say four seasons that I've been actively watching the Providence Bruins uh, on a game-to-game basis is they don't favor uh, one goalie or the other. Believe it or not, in a 72-game season, these guys are playing 32 to 33 games yeah. each, so they're getting their equal time. There's not It's not like the NHL when you're going to see Tuka Rask uh, get into oh, 65, 70 games. And the other guy is going to probably get into 15 to 20. You know, it's it's the ratio is not like that. They're all down there to develop and get better um, with yeah. equal time. So, and right now, it, it right now the scenario is uh, McIntyre is a Friday goaltender and a Sunday goaltender, while Subban takes the middle game because the AHL predominantly works on a weekend schedule, and a lot of the times yeah. it's three games in a row. So, yeah. And I mean, with that, I wouldn't mind them seeing, like, if if McIntyre makes it as backup next season, which I can't see because I don't think they're going to buy out Hudobin's contract 
unless they kind of just bury him and say go home we'll pay a contract but you're not playing I mean I'd like to see one of the guys in Providence make the team and then get rid of the other guy let Dan Vladar play a starting role in Providence and draft a guy in for his backup because I think with a guy like Dan Vladar if you give him starting time he'll progress a lot faster than if you're only giving him 30 games a season mm-hmm. and that could be the problem with Providence at the moment that they're only getting half a season each whereas yeah, do you would would you want to like move the progression along from a development goaltender when you know that Tuka Rask has another five years to go yeah but if if you can get a steady backup from them right then yeah because if you look at like teams like Winnipeg they had Andre Pavlek in net and then they had Michael Hutchinson who was a career AHL goaltender until he went to Winnipeg yep they let him play a year in the AHL and then he came to the NHL and ever since then he's been their backup goaltender for what three seasons mm-hmm. or two yep so if you can get a guy like that who you can lock in and you know he's going to win your games like keep that guy that then that's when you draft the 18 19 year olds and the 20 year olds to play in Providence so they can have them three, four years where you've got a solid backup. I'm going to be ready. In, yeah, instead of this whole, like, because you want the transition as well. If Dan Vladar ever makes it to starting goaltender in the NHL, you want him to come in in the last four years of Tukaras contract, play them four years as his backup, learn the game, then progress to starter. Like, you don't want him to come in in the last year play one year as backup and then be like oh you, you're starting now you're going to be playing exactly the same amount of games as Tukarash used to play because then you don't have a backup to help him out so I think they just need to come up with a system of how they go about progressing this because if they don't I think we're going to have a really bad time when Tukarash goes well, good point and to wrap off the uh, end of the week, we normally do a Sunday to Sunday, but since we're doing the podcast on Monday, um, yesterday's game against the Los Angeles Kings, the Bruins uh, beat the Kings one to nothing. Another outstanding win, a great shutout by Tuka Rask. Um, and he and he made eighteen saves. So yeah. that tells me the defense was tight on that game. And they still gave the credit to Jimmy Hayes scoring his second in the fourth in the first period at four twenty. I thought for sure Jimmy. that Yeah, yeah. I thought that I thought for sure that, that was like um a Colin Miller goal. I watched oh, the no, video that, a couple that was times. Definitely a tip in. It was a tip okay. Yeah. Uh, the when I was watching it on the T V like you could see it hit the it, it hits just the back of his blade and then like the heel of his blade and then it just ramps up a bit so it was definitely a tipping but um see I, i've been saying this about jimmy hayes no matter how much you how much ever, anyone has a problem with him or anything he is actually doing what he gets paid to do because i i don't think he was brought in to be a physical guy 
in the sense of like body checking because he was never that that guy in Florida. He was never a like power forward in Florida. But he's come in, he goes to the net hard, he stays in front of the net, and he screens the goaltender, and he does do quite a good job of forechecking, which for some reason people never give credit for with a good forecheck. Like Anton Bleed, who's just come up, I've seen a few people say, oh, he's not playing good. Uh-huh. I'm like, are you, are you watching the game? <laughs> like, oh my God. But, but when you yeah, talk... It, when you talk about Jimmy Hayes and 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 he's doing good, that I, I just his offensive production has dropped since the day he came oh, yeah. to Boston. I mean, he scored yeah, 19 goals on his last season with the Florida Panthers, and then it was just I I don't know if if coming back home had a big issue. You know, it's probably one of the reasons why he told Jimmy VC to go take a hike and try another team. You know, this is just... I, I think it's honestly the system. I think it's honestly the system that's in place because it kills. It kills offense. Like they play such a like two-way style of game where one day they'll play the four-check hard and they'll have all three forwards in the zone and they'll go hard to the net. The next night against a different opponent, they'll be playing the trap. They'll have all five guys back in their own zone on their own blue line. And that that's just gonna kill every offensive chance you got. Look at any any Stanley Cup team this year. I guarantee that they're, they're like top two lines. They always have one guy in deep for that tape to tape pass from the defensive zone. They always have one guy just cherry picking, and then they make the breakout pass. But the Bruins, we never do that. You you get called out if if a player does that like if if a guy like David Pasternak skates up and towards their blue line while the puck's in the neutral zone, someone will call him out for it and say, "Oh, he's being lazy." <laughs> but no, he's trying to get free. He's trying to get a breakaway and he's trying to like get one on one against one D man, which is where he's best. But I mean, I I hate. Claude Julian's system. I love Claude Julian. I hate his system. Yeah. It doesn't work anymore. It's old style hockey. It's yep. n- just not going to get you through the playoffs. So, I mean, like Joe Gill said the other week, I mean, like, is this the end of Claude Julian? Because <laughs> if he keeps playing this system, yeah, it is. Because I don't see them making any type of playoff run. Just playing Joe, like this. Joe was a fantastic guest. He, oh, yeah. That guy cracks me up. He really does. I was saying the other day to one of my friends about the fact that uh, I was saying we were, we did the show with this guy, and he's known for being quite a hothead and kind of getting aggravated about the Bruins. And I said, we, we got about 50 minutes in, and I was the one that swore. <laughs> That's right, you dropped the F bomb. Yeah. I had my bet on Joe. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But he, he he did point out some really good really good things about how this coaching staff need to change yep. and what needs to change. And I think he got all three of our points across really well on what we'd like to see. So 
if you haven't heard that show, I'd go back and check it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, looking ahead, uh, you know, if you want to talk about change, uh, this is the time to do it. Um, the schedule this week has the Bruins at home against the New York Islanders on Tuesday and away on Thursday in Florida against the Panthers and away on Friday night against the Carolina Hurricanes. And I just want to go a little further. I know we do, you know, the previous week and the week ahead, but you got Columbus on Tuesday the 27th, Buffalo on Thursday the 29th, and Buffalo again on this one's the home game on the 31st of December. So there's there's a home game on on Tuesday the 20th and then there's a four game road trip. Yep. From Tuesday to the end of the month, tomorrow night to the 31st. There's no excuses why this team cannot get points. Oh, especially against struggling teams. Exactly. And and I'm I I'm deathly afraid that and I it, I've seen it so many times in the past <clears throat> when the Bruins play these teams, they play down to their level. Yeah. And they end up making bad mistakes and lose pretty bad so no yeah, excuses they, they try and play that defensive game and shut down a struggling team and all they do is give them space and time yep and then just get scored on and you're probably gonna see at least one game out of all them with anton Hudobin in there i would think maybe the... maybe two yeah so yeah. definitely but it's gonna be a struggle so far, after at this point, with no game tonight, there's uh, the Bruins have played 33 games. They're 17, 13, and three with 37 points. Uh, the seven points behind the Atlantic Division leading Montreal Canadiens, who have 44 points. Uh, the Bruins are third in the Atlantic Division, eighth in the Eastern Conference, riding that line. Uh, yeah. They're 500 at home, eight, eight, and zero. And a pretty decent nine five and three road record. So, well, they've surpassed our expectations so far for, for this point of the season. I said by Christmas, I thought they were going to be out of the playoff picture. So, the fact that they're in it with a week to go, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see how they can drop that bad by New Year's, but we'll see. I hate to jinx it, but... Yeah. Well, there's some good news. <clears throat> the roster freeze is happening today. Yeah. I believe it was earlier this afternoon. And uh, with that being said, the Bruins recall Frank Vetrano from the AHL Providence Bruins. Um, Frank has played two games over the weekend. He played in Friday, and he played in Sunday. Uh, he had a goal in his first game on Friday night. Did not play Saturday's game because the fact is that they didn't want him to do back-to-backs uh, post-surgery. Yeah. So it's good that they're looking out for that. And he uh, came in and scored a goal on Sunday, an empty netter. So yeah. um, I I like the addition of his speed. I like the addition of him taking a shot when he has the ability. Um, but, you know, we talked in the off-air show that, you know, 
I don't believe Bruins fans should really consider him to be, you know, a, a, a goal-scoring savior. Um, just from the sample size that we had last year when he went 31 games without a point out of 39 NHL career games. So, And that's without a point. Like, that's yeah. not just I mean, a goal. He had, he had points in eight games. Yeah. That's it. 31 of those, he had nothing. No assist, no goal. So, I mean, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I'm going to take a lot of flack right now and say this is a bad idea and they should have left him in Providence. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. I'm going to get hit for it, but I don't care because... I, I'm going to yeah, agree you, with you, so you know what? I'm yeah. going to take the hit as well. You just you you putting pressure on a young guy who's just got back from surgery. It, like all the writers are talking about how, like I, I've seen about ten articles today about. Um, it says like, uh, two goals, two games, and I'm like, yeah, but one of them was an empty netter, and it's it's two games back, like. He could play the next ten games in Providence and not get a point. I, I know he won't, but this is what I'm saying: you you can't go off small, like small things. You can't go off like a two-game thing and go, "Oh, that's how he's going to play up here in the NHL." Totally different. Like, yeah, what what if he takes a bad hit and he's injured again, and now we don't see him for another five months? Like, I, I want to. To be honest, I want to see him get better in Providence, see him score some more goals, see him get back to 100% and then come and play. Absolutely. Well, and in my I, opinion, I, oh, I know they've done it because of the roster freeze. And that's it what that's where I'm that going way. with this. I kind of believe that they, they brought him up because of the roster freeze and it could be one of those players that could get ice time in case of an emergency. Yeah, um, and it, from a lot of the writers that I've read this morning, uh, there's a lot of skepticism on if he is actually going to play in the game against the Islanders tomorrow night. Yeah, I think I think they should keep him a healthy scratch. Right. R- really, because no one knows. I, I don't think anyone said that he's fully cleared. Like I know he's cleared to play, but I mean. Have they said it's fully healed and there's no problems? Because I haven't seen... I honestly don't believe you're ever going to hear that because, you know, we don't don't hear stuff like that. Like when Patrice Bergeron was injured in the first couple games of the season, nobody ever said he's a full 100%. So... And he still doesn't look it now. No, he doesn't. And I still believe that something's wrong. Yeah. But... But, I mean... I, I, all I'm saying is don't expect this guy to come in and score goals upon goals and have hat tricks and yeah. just let the guy play his game. He can do that in the AHL. Yeah. And right now he's got um, a career, 38 goals <coughs> and 38 career AHL games. Yeah, that and is he's, crazy. And he's currently on a 13-game point streak dating back to last year. So, I mean, it's a totally different level. 
People have to understand that that I mean, if the AHL and NHL were so much similar, we wouldn't have players like this all the time. We'd be the every franchise would be loaded, stacked. Yep. So. And do you know what's going to really annoy me now? Is that by the time it gets to the playoff picture, if the Bruins are out of it, then he's waiver eligible and can't be sent down to Providence for the playoffs if Providence make it. Right. Which is what you'd want for a guy like that who's young and you'd want him to have that playoff run. So, I mean, there's that and there's other stuff. I'm happy to see him come back. He's a good player. I just, he's not Steven Stamkos. He's not Patrick Kane. Just everyone chill out. Not yet. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is is obviously Brad Marchand's having a pretty decent year. Uh, he's definitely not on the track of last year's uh, goal production or point production. But um, I wanted to get your opinion on his penalties. Uh, it just almost seems lately that his penalties are a little over the edge. I'm not saying that he's he's doing things that he should get suspended for, but in my opinion, he's actually putting the Bruins in a really bad situation with what he's doing. And I honestly believe if we didn't have a, such a great penalty killing team, yeah. we could be in trouble. A lot more trouble yeah, than we are right now. He just he takes them at stupid times. Like a lot of the time you see it, we go we go up by one goal and then two minutes later there's a penalty. And then you, you're making your team tired by making them kill penalties off. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, uh, I just... I think he's finding it hard to get away from his whole agitator side of hockey. I mean, last year he had that, that stretch where he was like a pure goal scorer he looked brilliant and I think now that the goals aren't going in for him he's kind of reverting back to kind of just playing his style of game the pest yeah <laughs> so but I mean it is good because it, it, it kind of when Pasternak's been on that line it's taken the kind of aggression away from David Pasternak if that makes sense <clears throat> so like players will go more towards Marshand than they will towards Pasternak and they won't throw bigger hits and stuff because they'll be looking out for Marshand coming in and rubbing them out so I mean it, he's always taken bad penalties I don't think you're ever going to take it out of his game uh, uh, Just we're just lucky we're not seeing suspensions really so, I, I think I think he will change as he gets older, but for now you're just going to see the same little ball of hate that you've seen for the past five years. So, right. Yeah. I, well, I actually hope it gets better as the season goes on, you know, and if there's if there's there is playoff potential for this franchise, um, I hope he smartens up because, like I said earlier, that. Um, penalties like the ones he's been taking, and I've noticed it within the last, like, I want to say seven to ten games. Yeah. It's just really unnecessary, and I mean, I know we don't score a ton of goals and so on, but um, you know, 
time on the ice is needed, not spent on the uh, sitting your ass down on the bench. Yeah. But uh, he has an interesting um, topic that I've been hounding on for the past couple of days. And actually, uh, a good friend of the show, Andrew Thompson of the CausewayCrowd.com. Uh, he's a Bruins writer. We've had him on, I believe, two or three times. Uh, great guest. Uh, wrote an article today, and, and I know he was a little biased. He's a big fan of the old Merlot line and that that grinder style of uh, fourth-line minutes. But he, he, he wrote an article about bringing back Gregory Campbell. Now, Gregory, let me explain if anybody doesn't understand or doesn't know the story. Uh, Gregory Campbell was asked by his uh, Columbus Blue Jackets franchise organization, sorry, to report to the, I believe it's the Monsters, the AHL, Cleveland yeah. Monsters or something like that, and he refused to go. Mm-hmm. And his reasoning, which I am, I don't believe... I believe he just had too much pride. But anyway, his reasoning was he doesn't want to go down because he's blocking the progression or development of a younger player. Yeah. I am. I do not believe that. I believe he thinks he's an <clears throat> NHL player. He belongs in the NHL at a 30, as, as a 33-year-old and just was, uh, you know, not having it. So the, the Columbus Blue Jackets suspended him. And because he did not come back or say or, you know, come begging the per CBA, the Columbus Blue Jackets had a window of either he comes back or talks and this and that. But it was after a certain time, the Columbus Blue Jackets can waive him for the purpose of terminating his contract. And that's exactly what they did. And I believe he got exactly what he asked for. So, um... No, I do not want Gregory Campbell back in Boston. Thank you very much. Thank you for, you know, hobbling for three minutes on one leg. Thank you for your time here. Uh, Thank you for your, you know, your physical ability. Thank you for helping in the Stanley Cup. You know, would I want that player back? Absolutely. But to me, that's selfish. Yeah. That just bleeds selfish that I'm better than than the organization and I will not go down and report to an organizational affiliate. I'm sorry. I don't want not wanting a player like that in Boston. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I know other people have other opinions that easy the cute or um, they just cannot get away from the past. They love players like that. I just don't understand it and don't want to see him. So, well, it, it's not the first time we've seen this. I mean, we saw people calling for trade to get back Thornton, and we've had um, when when Pae was a free agent get Danny Pae back, and I mean, like we've got guys at the moment. You got Anton Bleed in the roster. Like, like why why would you swap out Anton Bleed, a young guy who's got so much energy when he's on the ice and does a great job of forechecking? Why would you trade him out for a 33-year-old guy who's not got the energy, 
who, yeah, he's got a name in Boston because of what he did in the past. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's not going to... I mean, maybe he does do a better job than Bleed, but let Bleed have the time to become that fourth-line guy. Like, I, I just think you just... You're shooting yourself in the foot by getting another veteran that you don't need. We we've got enough veterans. Yeah, and and that's I, my that's my biggest point, Rob. Is is it just <coughs> this team is like dying for a youth movement, and all the fans want to do is bring back people from the past. Yeah, you're, you know you're blocking these kids. I heard somebody talk to me or uh, send a post out the other day on social. I'm not to forget which social media outlet it was, but you know there's there's trade talks in Colorado. They might want to move uh, Jerome McGinley. Oh God! Yeah, I know, right? I see this, yep. and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, we got to get him back. Yeah, he scored thirty goals in a Bruins do, uniform. Do you not remember that though? Yeah, I do. Uh, the, the, I think it was the second to last game of the season when he was on 29 and Jack Edwards said famously like two minutes before he scored his 30th goal that about the whole contract thing where oh, the, uh, he had the bonuses yep. of if he scored 30 goals his contract was an extra half a million or a million yep. I can't remember what it was but all of a sudden last couple of games of the season boom there you go, thirty goal. Thanks for the bonus. There's the cap hit. And oh. even even if a player like Jerome McGinley, which he's played in, I think twenty nine games, and he's got ten points. He's got three yeah. goals and seven assists. I mean, he's got one more goal than Jimmy Hayes, and and the Boston fans are killing about Jimmy, Jimmy Hayes. Let's bring another Hayes in. I mean, you know, well, I would do. I'd bring Kevin. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Well, he's lighting it up. Yeah, that guy's on fire. But, but I mean, even if we need to, we need to move away from the whole. This guy has a house in Boston. This guy used to live in Boston. Yeah, this guy I grew agree. up in Boston. We, I don't care. Do you think Pittsburgh got where they are by having players all from Pittsburgh? No. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a wide it, variety it's... of worldwide talent. Oh yeah, and it, and that's. That's what it should be. It should be all the best type of players from the best type of places in the world. I mean, you look at you look at teams where they get they'll have a really hard nosed Russian guy, a really like good like uh, skilled um, Swedish guy, and then they'll have a hard nosed American and a crazy Canadian who's just got all the skills. Like you. Just get a mixture of people. Don't go for Massachusetts natives just because you're a Massachusetts team. Like You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. It, it, it needs to change because it is ridiculous. I, I remember when the whole Dominic Moore thing started and someone was like, oh... He has a house near me in Boston. He went to Harvard. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, if I went to school in Boston, does that mean I get a roster spot? <laughs> no. Oh, boy. I'm guessing not. No. No. <laughs> you might be a good goaltender, but... 
not that good. <laughs> All right, we got about 10 minutes to go, so I just want to um, update some Providence Brewing stuff and, and just a little bit of uh, some prospect talk. Uh, yeah. On Friday, December 16th, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island, the Providence Bruins came away with a 3-2 to two victory. Um, yeah, Bridgeport, they played Bridgeport. I'm sorry if I didn't say that. Uh, owned the first two periods, and Providence just came in the third period and really took over. Um, Tommy Cross uh, got it started in the third period from Jake DeBrusk and Jordan Swartz. And then uh, Frank Petrano's first goal as uh, a returning player from Grant, Alex Grant and Colby Cave. Yep. And the red-hot Peter Klaharik scored his 12th goal from Grant and Danton Heinen, and that was a power play goal. The uh, shots on goal, the <laughs> Bridgeport outshot the Providence Bruins 31-22, to and uh, Zane McIntyre got the win, and he's at that time, he's six zero and zero, stopping uh, twenty nine to thirty one shots. And that was a great game. Yes, it was. You saw the replays I sent you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, on on Saturday, December seventeenth, against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, not a good game at all. These guys did not show up, nor did the goaltender, uh, Providence goaltender Malcolm Subban. Um, the only goal in a 7-1 to one loss was, again, the red-hot Peter Kloharik from Jaden Swartz. He scored his 13th. And shots on goal, Providence 34, Lehigh Valley 39. Uh, Malcolm Subban is now 2-7-4 and, and not having a good year at all. I don't know what we're going to do with him in July, but... We talked about it earlier. I won't talk about it again. <laughs> and yesterday, Sunday, December 18th, against the Syracuse Crunch at the Dunkin' Donuts, in Pro- Dunkin Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Providence walks away with a 3-1 to victory. Uh, goals by Sean Curlihay, his third from Porter and A.J. White. And the second period, uh, Jake DeBras got his fifth from Grizzlick and Alex Grant. In the third period, Frank Vitrano scores an empty net goal from Heinen and Cross. Shots on goal, uh, Syracuse 26, Providence 35, and uh, Zane McIntyre improves to a 7-0-0 record, a 1.31 goals against average, and a .953 save percentage. And he is currently on a six-game winning streak. Yeah, and I think he has to be the hottest goaltender in the AHL right now. I believe so. I I haven't looked that stat up, but I would really seem to think that that is correct. Yeah, I I haven't seen any game where he hasn't made it look like he's a god in between the pipes. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of them saves are ridiculous. But doesn't transition. Not yet, anyway. His athleticism is impressive this year. It's a lot more impressive than it was last year in his first year of um, semi-professional hockey. I, yeah. I I wasn't a fan of his game. <coughs> I didn't like it at all. I, I, 
I didn't know how he was going to come into this year, but I am pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I don't know if it's coming from... I mean, the guy played in all three professional levels this season, so he's been bouncing around. I think he's you know getting a lot of uh, different things, but I believe his time in the NHL was a wicked beneficial one for him. Yeah. A benefactor, and I mean. He's, he's playing a really good positional game as well. Yeah. Like... When when he's getting screened, he's aggressive. He's at the top of his crease. He's making himself big. So, but uh, I, it's uh, a lot different to what he was doing last season. Opposed to Subban, he Subban comes out. He's aggressive, but he doesn't have the ability to get back quick enough. Yeah. To make that, I mean, if he makes the, one of those Kudobin saves that puts it right on the guy's stick, he doesn't have the reaction time to get back. It almost seems like um, Zane McIntyre can make a huge kick save. It could go to a you know a, a, an area of the ice in the defensive zone, and then somebody just fires a shot. But he's there and ready and already prepared in the crease. It, it, he is a fast goaltender, and I'm very surprised yeah. of that from the 2010 draft pick. Yeah, it is a it is a good surprise to have this season. Otherwise, we, if he was playing like he did. Like last season, I don't think Providence Bruins would be having such a good time right now. Right, and they so. seem to be getting better because they're climbing the uh, the standings. They're in fourth place in the uh, Atlantic Division with twenty eight games played. They're fourteen seven four and three with thirty five points. <clears throat> so things are looking good for them. Hopefully, they do the same thing like they did last year, as they got hot towards the end of the calendar year and then really turned on the Jets in the new year and uh, walked right into the playoffs but got swept by Wilkes-Barre's Grand Penguins so hopefully hopefully the same regular season result and different playoff result they've got good depth at forward though this year yeah they do with guys like Jaden Swartz coming in and yep I mean that guy's been a surprise um Kleherik has been amazing Red, red hot that guy's unbelievable he's got like eight goals in his last 10 games yeah, and um, I mean, everyone looks quite good at forward. So, I mean, I think it's just they need to get used to each other because a lot of them are playing like the first season together. So, it's uh, but there are guys in there that are like fan favorites still, like Tommy Cross and Colin Hargrove and Tyler Randall. So, yep. Uh, going to the uh, OHL prospects, uh, Zach Senishin, Uh he went and tried out for the uh, Canadian World Junior team and wasn't there very long. He was returned yep. shortly after. Uh, that team is really, really stacked up front, and I don't believe he was a shoe-in at all. I believe he was there to uh, put some pressure on some other players, but um, uh, he re- he returned to uh, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, had an assistant Friday's five three win over the Sarnia Saginaw Spirit, and a goal in yesterday's eight to one beatdown of the Sarnia Sting. Uh, with points in both weekend games, Senishin is currently on a four game point streak and has ten points in those games. So he continues to be um, rolling offensively, which is good. In the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, 
both Bruins prospect defensemen, Jeremy Lawson, um, is with uh, Team Canada for the World Junior Championships, which, by the way, start December 26th and go into the new year. And uh, St. John Sea Dogs defenseman Jakob Sporo are both off the respected countries for the uh, for the games. Uh, WHL Jesse Gabriel, uh, Prince George Cougars had an assist in two games last week, bringing his season total to 19-13-32 in 28 games played. So not really much going on, and not much going on in the NCAA, I believe. I'm really not totally. This is my first year really getting into the Bruins prospects in the NCAA, so and reporting yeah. on them. So I believe this is their Christmas break, or or fine or midterms or whatever you want to call them. So there's really not yeah. a lot of action going on. So really nothing to report. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird fact that Gabriel didn't get a call up to the juniors. Um. If I'm not well, these these juniors are under twenty. Oh, right. I believe he is over. He, yeah, if he is, he's only just turned it. Right, and yeah. because um, duh, 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 duh. yeah, because this is his last eligibility of uh, eligible year of uh, Canadian junior. Juniors. So. Yeah. That guy is going to be so exciting to watch next season. I'm so I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait to see him in Providence and then work his way up, just like um, Zach Senishin. I believe <coughs> Zach Senishin is going to oh, be yeah. a player that's going to start in the AHL. That's just my opinion. And then that, work that his way. That forward in. core in the AHL is going to change so much over the it next is. year. And it's too bad, especially if you if you see college guys coming across as well. Yep, the free like, agents are going to be picking up pretty soon. Um, I believe uh, March, end of February, March, somewhere around there, they're available for signings. So I mean, it's going to be a lot of action going on with uh, with players. Yeah, and I'm hoping that the Bruins do what they did for the past few years and actually go after some of these uh, college signings because we've done a good job at bringing guys in. Austin yeah. Zarnick, Frank Vitrano, Tory Crew. I mean, Nolachari. Well, yeah, Nolachari. Yeah. Who, if anything, stepped up quicker than anyone from yep. the college level because yep. he pretty much went straight to the Bruins. So, and that guy, that that's another player who's been looking good over the past week. Nolachari is a player, like, definitely. Yeah, he's he's a physical force and he's very intimidating to other teams when they see that fifty-five coming like a freight train. Yeah. Them. I swear, like, they must think Cronwall when they see that number. Right. <laughs> like, if I just saw a white 55 coming flying at me, I'd be like, oh, Cronwall, oh, no. <laughs> but, <clears throat> I mean, he got a hit in in yesterday's game against LA, and uh, that was a crunch down the boards. So I think it was in the second period it was quite a good hit. I know I was trying to scream, but there was just no voice to be had. So my my neighbors got a break yesterday for the matinee again. Nice. So nice. Yeah. Um, the, the lucky. One thing I just I I wanted to say is um uh, one of my favorite Bruins writers uh, is a uh, Providence Journal Bruins writer Mark Diver. I uh, heard a rumor this morning about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League eyeing Manchester, New Hampshire 
and Portland, Maine as possible destinations for either relocation or expansion. I like I I, my, I used to be a season ticket holder, I only for one year, but I used to be a faithful Manchester Monarchs um, fan that used to go to many games since 2001. Yeah. And then they left and they went westward and then the East Coast Hockey League came from the west to the east and took over their spot. So this is interesting because I still know a ton of people that have that still support Manchester even though that's an East Coast Hockey League team. But yeah. I've also heard rumors that their their year or lease or whatever is coming up and they don't know what's going on. But the reason why I like this is the everybody in the in the Quebec League plays each other during the season, yeah. So you'll be able to get to see some of these players come down through in New England, and if, oh, if, awesome. if any, I'm, I'm a huge person of scouting. I like going places and I like watching one person. As much as I yeah. like going to see the game, I like to keep an eye on one person, and then I do evaluations on them and try to keep uh, people that want to know more about prospects. Uh, up up to date, so uh, this would be a great thing for me. So I, could, I mean, forty minutes away is Manchester, so that'd be perfect. And Portland, Maine's the same; it's a little under an hour, so um, it's a good idea. The thing is, is uh, Portland. I mean, I'm sorry, Maine. The state of Maine did have a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League team called the uh, Maine Maniacs, and I heard for many reasons that franchise folded because the fact is that it was such a hassle to do the border crossings. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work. And, and right now this is just a rumor, but um, a lot of the stuff that Mark Diver comes out with, I, 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 I have a good feeling he's spot on about. But Well, fingers crossed that that works out. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, there'll be. I'm sure I'll be seeing a lot of pictures and everything from the games. Video, and who knows when this is going to happen? I'll have to look in to see which the current East Coast Hockey League Manchester Monarchs are, are you know, supposed to be leaving and whatever. But yeah, something to look forward to. Definitely. All right, I think that's going to call it a show. Yeah. Uh, are we doing a show next week, or well, are we we're going to be giving it a break? Uh, I'm off on Monday the 26th, so I have that whole day, so it's yep. completely up to you. If you have plans... I know, I, I, I should should be free. If you, so we'll, we'll talk we, during the week. If you're free, yep. then let's let's rock it. Yeah, definitely. So Get some more shows out. We have not stopped the show since the season started, and I and I like this, this pace that we're doing, so... Definitely. Yeah. All right. That's good stuff. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at Black and Gold two seven seven. You can find Mr. Rob Tomlin at Rob Forty Bruins. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate the comments, the support. Um, also, please, if you have time, uh, give us a um, a rating and a comment on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Um, and we're not going to be able to say this, but uh, to all the listeners and uh, new listeners, uh, happy holidays to your families and please be safe. Happy holidays.
Join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.